0: Welcome to the VMware Multi-Cloud Podcast. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my co-host, David Jasso. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. Uh, myself, too. We're back from VMworld Europe, and we're excited to be doing another podcast. On the show today, we're going to be talking about multi-cloud application development with Tom Height, Senior Director of Professional Services Emerging Technology. Tom, you're on the call here, and you're on video, so how are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me, Eric.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm excited to hear about what you've been doing. I know, uh, uh, David, we, he, Tom's been doing a white paper on um, some interesting six-sevens uh, topics around uh, application Yeah, it sounds
2: intri- intriguing, six-sevens. Hey, Tom, we're, we're glad to have you uh, on the show to talk, but um, hey, maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself before we get too far, just so folks know who you are and sort of your perspective and where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, sure. So two things I'll tell you about myself, but also about my team, because uh, they're pretty important to the six, sevens uh, pattern we'll talk about. One, one myself. Uh, I do run that group you, you, you named. Its job in life, so everybody knows, is to contemplate where professional services needs to be as a business, uh, both from a technology and services standpoint, you know, maybe six to even up to 36 months out. Uh, so we're a little bit kind of outside the channel of revenue targets, um, and we're more into the, the concept of adoption. How in the future are we going to get our customers to adopt our technology for some of the more advanced use cases today that we believe will be normal use cases tomorrow? And I got to VMware through an acquisition um, about four years ago. Well, I guess it's almost five years ago now. That's amazing to me. Um, I love it here at VMware, obviously. Um, five years went like a day to me. And I got here through Momentum SI when we purchased that company. I was the chief technology officer uh, and we focused on pretty advanced software development, pretty advanced cloud use cases even way back then, uh, then pretty advanced container development, the kinds of things that people are just kind of getting into now. So you can, you want to get any hint from my life through other startups that I uh, myself was founder of or on the executive team and sold to public or private entities. I've always been kind of in the future uh, more than on the, on the sale of today. with respect yeah, to technology. So That's me and my team. I,
2: I think when I first involved. met you, you guys just commented, you guys had a really heavy focus on DevOps, as if I recall. I mean, you were really helping or, yeah. you know, large organizations figure out what that really meant.
1: Well, we did. And the interesting thing is, is DevOps is kind of, it's kind of a given. I do a lot of talks on DevOps. Um, it's, it's sort of stayed with me through my career here at VMware, but it's, a, it's an underpinning concept behind everything. If you think about the topic, even like site reliability engineering, which gets a lot of talk today, that's about software orient, oriented sort of operations, right? But even SRE folks conform to the principles of DevOps because they are software developers. They should do the software development and delivery the right way. And, and generally a, a reasonable DevOps methodology is the way to do that. So. You know, to us and to my team, you'll see it's one of our fo- foci. Um, I can tell you what those are in a sec, but it's one of those that we focus on. In fact, our company's beginning to focus on it. If you look at our transition to modern applications and Kubernetes and the more we get into Tanzu, a lot of the discussion is starting to focus around developers and making developers successful, which kind of by definition says you're going to talk around the concept of DevOps. And just... Briefly, I'll tell you what my team focuses on, and DevOps is one of them. That's one of our key areas. We have six charters, six things to look at for our professional services team, Uh, DevOps being one of them, multi-cloud being one. We'll talk a lot about that today. Blockchain being one, because in the future, we obviously see that as a major piece of the puzzle for uh, various application forms. IoT, and that sort of draws in machine learning and artificial intelligence. And these are your modern applications, which is a big topic seemingly today, but as our our customers have a transition to make to to get there. So we deem that an emerging technology at this point. Uh, Compute Edge and Edge Computing, if you're familiar. Um, Those are kind of the big areas in which we spend our time forming both technology strategies and the service strategies around those technologies. that Our consultants at some point will actually bring to our customers. So
0: there you go. Now, you know, my team kind of know me a little bit i have one follow-up question on who you are i notice you're working out of it looks like a home office um so yeah. where are you uh, where where are you based i live in florida
1: i have i i have a, a good life i live on the beach just a little south of daytona it's a town called Ponce Inlet. so uh, we have a, a pretty good life here very That's nice I, although to be honest i'm based on a plane because i have a worldwide role and uh I'm out quite a bit. And, you know, I remember
2: last time I talked to you, uh, Tom. I think a hurricane had just gone through, and you were sort of all bottled up in your house. <laughs> oh, that was
1: was that Dorian? Yeah, Dorian yeah. was. Reading. Yeah, it's,
0: uh,
1: I told David how it works here in Florida. You have what are called hurricane days. Many people quite know what
0: those are, but... very nice, very nice. Okay, so why don't we uh, talk a little bit about the white paper and what you guys what what your objectives were in producing that white paper and take us through a little bit of the intro of that?
2: Yeah, Tom. Uh, Here's, Pick up on also, uh, you know, I talked a lot. I just sort of, I'm, I'm fascinated by sort of the origins of this. I think a lot of this came out of your engagement with customers.
1: Yeah, I tell you what. So, <laughs> our group is tasked with innovation, right? For PS, let's think about it that way. We're the innovation team, and the six sevens wasn't something we intended to 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 figure out. Quite frankly, it, it's like all innovations, and I explain innovation this way to people: it, innovation is never. A direct intent, it's always indirect. You, you see something out of the corner of your eye, um, and I explained it this way, uh, if you think of the GPS system, we got that because a satellite, the Sputnik flew. Uh, physicists were trying to monitor it, and what they figure out, you know, monitor commu- communications around it, and what they figured out was kind of out of the corner of that is, hey, we can pinpoint that thing. And from there came the GPS system. W- what we we're looking at, David, was trying to figure out if we're really going to do iot we were trying to address iot um, and you see a lot of that infusion into the paper we're we're trying to address how do you really do iot at scale so one of our one of our customers says something like hey we want to do some iot what does that really mean right so how do we address the fact that you're going to be moving data from the edge probably into your private data centers up to the public cloud for various reasons right some machine learning here some re-engagement of those uh, neural network outputs or other analytics graph outputs of that analytics machine learning you're going to put that back out on the edge and do some things but how do you really do that at scale one and how do you do it in a secure fashion and in a safe fashion right legally safe policy safe all those things so we started to see a pattern when we look through this with our customers and that's literally out of the corner of our eye we're saying hey there's there's a ubiquitous pattern here to how you address the, the discussion of how we're going to move data. And when we talk data, you'll see that in the paper, we're, we're not talking content data, maybe data coming off uh, an LT sensor or something. We're talking all forms of data. Executable data is a container. How do you actually know the rights and reasons you would move a container from one cloud to another? Or, which by definition means, right, you go register it with your Docker registry in the other area. But the point being, how do you do any of that? safely, securely, and scalably. And that's from where the six, seven patterns came from, was really indirect from all of our customers that we were talking to. We were saying, hey, not just what we were talking to. We yeah. went and looked at old customers and saw, well, how are they doing it?
2: That makes and, sense. The Yeah. And it, the other it, thing it I, I noticed, it wasn't just about IoT, but it sort of applies to everything. I mean, you have great example around a pharmaceutical company in, in the paper, I think, too, that sort of highlights you know how data really works
1: well so think about the pharmaceutical right this is a massive issue for them they have it, it it's a lot of money that goes into r d of a drug for example and when they're running drug discovery engines it's very sensitive data that you're going to feed into that drug discovery engine and here's the cool thing what comes out ultimately is your drug right now The output of machine learning might be your neural network that's going to generate your drug, predict the drug. But the point being, that is very sensitive, trade secret data. And if it's sitting out on a cloud, you better be well-formed in how you're going to actually wipe that cloud. If your developers have an opportunity to take that data and put it on their laptop to test, you know, maybe new algorithms that that they want to test in terms of the model, that's probably a security breach, right? You just put very sensitive data on a laptop that's probably leaving the building. So we have to actually control the data flow even in the development process. And that's, that's why we raised the pharmaceutical in that case, because we actually work with the pharmaceutical. They really were doing drug discovery across clouds. Very difficult operation, very sensitive from a data security and data scale perspective. Uh, and it all has to go right, or they end up, one, they lose their trade secret or two, um, they end up in a lawsuit for, for potentially breaching data, private data about uh, the people uh, that they're that they're testing against. So there you go; it all maps.
0: So go ahead. Go for, well, I, I have a question on the on the paper in general and Six Sevens, and I know we haven't got into it yet, but um, is this really a paper about infrastructure and managing the process and 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 mm-hmm. and? Procedures for controlling infrastructure and all the data that comes with your application moving in a, in a you know multi cloud environment, or is it, it? Does it also include application development techniques on how you're building your app?
1: Yeah, oh, it's a great question. So this is the six sevens is more of a think of it. It is a pattern that we'll talk about in a sec, but it's a pattern that forms a framework for understanding how you're going to develop and how you're going to actually achieve a multi-cloud application successfully. So it is one of these things, what we call zero product architectures. The point being, we want a ubiquitous pattern to which we'll apply VMware technologies and where there are gaps, we'll go find third-party pieces that make sense. But we will opinionate our vision of what is right for doing a multi-cloud application. Like I said, by having a framework to discuss with our customers what's necessary. what, what What do we really have to understand and go through to figure out what your app needs to look like right? It's highly distributed, so what right. does it need to look like? Right. And then how do we apply the technologies from VMware right. successfully? These are what we call recommended service architectures. So think of everything we're going to talk about first in the form of a zero product architecture. So we have a pattern, we have a well-formed architecture, and it really you could almost apply any technology to it, but what we'll do is opinionate it towards VMware products, and that's how we address our professional services field.
2: So, Tom, we've uh, we've kind of kept everybody at bay, but maybe just sort of introduce us at uh, high level what what the six is and what the seven is. And then we can start to go into those areas in a little more depth.
1: Yeah, so six sevens. Uh, and again, we actually backed into that name, too. We had to find a name for this this crazy stuff we were doing, quite frankly. And six sevens, just I forget how it came up, but one of the team members just sort of raised it. But uh, it really comes to this. Look, there are six process steps we know you will go through, wh- whether ignorantly or not. And ignorance is not a good thing, right? You, you may potentially miss a step you should be paying attention to. But you will do these six things when you're moving data from any failure zone to another, any zone to another. A zone could be a cloud, a zone could be a, a geographical region in your company, but you will do these six things one way or another to move your data. And again, data can be content; it's executable data, workloads, whatever. Call anything that represents a transfer of bytes across the network. Think of it that way. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so it can data. be transactional too. It's not just as you said, it, well, dude. You're pumping data
1: from REST calls from one microservice to another. You are transferring data across that REST call. So that absolutely, messages that go between microservices are data transfers. Um, and When you look at the six process steps, anytime you have a process, what you don't want to do is have a human kind of in the loop of that process to the extent you can help it, right? You end up in scale problems. So the seven foundations comes from what are the seven foundations it takes and what are underneath each of those foundations of technologies to automate the process of the six steps. And I'll just explain them real quickly. It's not too hard you know, the six steps you'll go through in any data movement is first, you'll describe your data. You got to know what it is. Is it sensitive data? Is it, you know, publicly known data? What's the nature of the data itself? Okay. And if we know the nature of data, we can partition it. And the reason we raise partitioning is think of our IOT use case where there's massive amounts of data coming from a very large number of potential endpoint devices in the edge, right? That's probably going into a data lake. And to the extent we can partition that data lake in a way that makes sense, both from a governance perspective, we'll talk about later, and from a removable, right? Can we take a certain portion of data? Do we know what we can take and move to another cloud to go do analytics, for example, right? So once we know what the data is, we described it, we can probably partition it and partition it well. That also helps us around governance, right? Data governance is a big topic nowadays. And if we can partition it, that informs us where we can place it because we know how big it is. If it's really, really big, we're probably not going to place it too far away because it take a long time to move it, right? We have a data gravity problem. Um, In other terms, that's called an availability problem we'll talk about in a sec. But if we can place it right? Now we know where to place it and how to place it on what kind of storage. It informs lots of things around that. Do we need to encrypt it in flight, right? Then if we know those things, we can now build connectivity and access, right? Build the networks, if you think about it. So think about this for a second. SDN stands for Software Defined Networks. A majority of our customers, and I don't have actual data on this, but every time I ask a crew, When I'm speaking of our customers, I ask them, are you statically defining your networks? And the answer is, yeah, they usually define their networks up front and they leave them up. Well, SDN stands for software-defined networks, not statically-defined networks. So if you do things right, you know your data, you know you can partition, and you know where to place it, you now have the definition of what you need from an access standpoint, network standpoint, to actually connect the two sides of the world and, and transfer that data. Here's the cool thing. You should then tear that network down. There's no reason to leave it up if you don't need to transfer things in the future.
2: Mm-hmm. So you could, be, you, could, you could be much more dynamic and you can um, sort of adjust right. to the circumstance you have at the moment and not sort of always be sort of living with a static set of environments that may or may cause you problems in the future.
1: Right. This is software to, every, VMware is all about software-defined everything, right? Software-defined data center. This should be very dynamic. In fact, it's actually a security in, uh, increase, if you will, to drop your networks, right? You just dropped all the attack services that that network leaves open. It's gone. No one can come in and go get it. So anyway,
2: that's... Before you move off of the, the, six, the six of the process patterns, I had a question for you. I assume as you go through that, you're also thinking about data transformations, right? Because, you know, that's sort of what has to happen to the data as part of that yeah, okay. process so,
1: so hold on to that thought we're going to get there in a sec all right. that's literally next interesting you got there so once we've built the connectivity and access means we've transferred it we know the storage we're putting it on we built all that then we're going to process right exactly what you're talking about we're going to do either if it's a simple thing like transferring information off of, off of iot sensor we're probably just going to transform the message and put it in a Kafka topic or something like that, right? We're just going to do something to transform. There might be much broader transformations, which is a machine learning algorithm, right? We may actually want to transfer a large amount of data to trans sort of um, transfer that into the learning algorithms and out of which we get a neural network. That becomes our new executable that we're going to move somewhere else. Well, there you have a new problem. You're going to move that new data somewhere else. You're going to recursively look at these six data processes that we're talking about. The final step, once we have processed it, whatever we've done, we've got to clean up. So let's say we move it to a public cloud and we're a military organization, and it turns out AWS, for example, just an example, but all these clouds are are similar. Their wipe mechanisms don't conform to the needs of a military-grade wipe So we actually have to wipe things successfully. So these six steps will occur. You'll describe your data. You'll partition it, whether you meant to or not. You might be doing these ignorantly. You'll place it. You'll build your connectivity and access. Whether you're doing that most expeditiously, most securely, I don't know, but that's what we want to address. You'll then process the data, and you'll clean things up. Those six steps are going to happen one way or another. And that's the six process steps of the six steps. Go
2: ahead. I was going to say what caught my eye when I first read the paper was this idea that this is doesn't seem like the typical way people think about application development they kind of start with uh wh- what has to happen, what's the business logic that has to happen and what are the manipulations and things like that and sort of they come to the data later this is almost a different approach around how do you think about developing applications it seems to me
1: yeah but but it covers kind of all layers we're we're an infrastructure company. We should be building infrastructure that supports the need of, of a developer to think, just like you just said. Yeah. All they want to know is what's the business logic because that's the feature they want to write. That's a feature developer. Yeah, it just... But the SRE, who's a developer as well, has to automate the the infrastructure into which they're going to lay that feature, right? So all this stuff is what the SRE kind of has to worry about. We don't we don't think of SRE as a developer in a lot of cases. They have to develop this process and automate that thing yeah. and do it at scale that's the hard part
2: I guess where I was coming at it seems to me when I first when I first read the paper this seemed like a nice augmentation to the way people build software that you you want to sort of do whatever you whatever your traditional process is but this is a nice thing to add that makes sure you really consider the application from the data side
1: yeah and, and tell you what um, various customers that our healthcare customers military customers that we have insurance carriers and things like that they've all When they first walk through those six steps with us, a lot of the inclination is at first is, man, we we don't want to see this because this just raises all sorts of issues we have to worry about. And that's (laughs) a very interesting – that's paraphrasing, by
2: the
1: way. a very interesting statement. It's like we almost don't have time to think about doing things safely and securely. That's not exactly what they're saying. You catch the point, right? We'd like to gloss over this and just get to – getting applications deployed. Very dangerous scenario. So yeah, that's why it's different thinking. We, we know what's going to happen. You must Let's feel,
2: just... you must feel yeah. when they tell you that, like, okay, I've done my job, right? <laughs> well,
1: yeah. sort of. What I don't want
2: it to do is scare people.
1: I want it to make them recognize there are considerations here we should make. Tearing down networks isn't comfortable for people, right? And they're like, oh, man, then we got to build it back up. If you automate that in a CI/CD pipeline, you have proper DevOps. Quite frankly, it's nothing. It's automated, right? So think about it that way. And the way, by the way, we do this automatically is we think about the seven foundations, and that's where the seven comes from. What are the foundations of technology that we have to put in place to automate those six process steps? Well, one is a valid data classification piece, right? We've got to have... There's different data uh, classification. VMware doesn't write them, but our consultants ultimately will have to help our customers think through this and help them implement their own data classification efforts, right? If you think of banks, most most of our really good customers do. In fact, VMware has a very sophisticated data classification um, implementation. I don't know if you guys even know that. Most people don't know that. We're very good at this stuff. And a lot of our customers are too. They know what, to explain data classification. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: can you give us an example? Yeah, or... there's
1: three things you really worry about. Uh, there's more than this, but three things kind of top of mind. They, a lot of people refer to these as the three NSA Issues, it's confidentiality, availability, and integrity. Your data has to remain confidential to the extent it needs to remain confidential, high integrity to the extent it needs to remain high integrity, and available, available to the extent it needs to be highly available. These three things are important. And a breach of any one of them, these are called the security objectives of, of data, whether it be, again, content, containers, VMDKs, any of this, those three things, if you breach one of them, there's going to be an impact, and the impact might be life-threatening. If we bre- breach the confidentiality of, for example, in the U.S. and um, a CIA agent, that's potentially life-threatening. That's a very bad situation, right? So what are the breach issues around the data of a, of a security objective? What are the impact? And do we have a process for dealing with that impact? Do we have reporting characteristics? Guess what? Blockchain comes into reporting characteristics because multiple parties need to trust that that report is correct and that that report is real. And now they really do have to protect that CIA agent, for, the, for example. So different technologies come in. So data, data classification is how we describe the data we're dealing with. We describe it. We know what it is. We know what the impact of its breach is.
2: So if you to... if you look at those six processes, you've gone through that, then you start to apply these on top of that, right? So you get that. Yeah. now you sort of know the universe of your data, and you start to apply these foundations on top of that,
1: right? And the second technology, the second foundation is, is um, governance, right? So governance isn't is it, right. It's the mechanism by which we define policy and subsequently enforce it. So governance is pretty important from a data perspective, because who gets access to data? Who should get to see it? And should it flow in various CICD pipelines, right? Your your developers might see it. They might be able to move it off into their laptop. So governance around everything is crucial. So governance is all sorts of things, right? How are you governing your secrets? How are you governing the access to your secrets? How are you generating them? What about your search? What's your search management strategy? What's your strategy for defining in which cloud we want to run something from a financial perspective, right? That's financial governance, great for our cloud health organization. We know, as VMware, probably the best place to run things so we we can do these things. So governance ends up being a pretty big issue with respect to data movement, right? By Mm -hmm. definition, observability. People, observability is a tough one in the software industry. They they just can't ever find it. If you really boil it down to what it really, really is, it, it comes from control theory. Can we understand the state of a system or infer it from its outputs, right? Meaning, can we understand the quality or the state of our software running across clouds in a way that we know how well it's working? Think of it that way, right? And if it's not working well, let's say we have a governance problem, not working well means we breached a security objective. We, we leaked a, a certificate somehow, how do we leak it? Well, observability should tell us that, right? Observability should know one that it, it leaked, that's the state of the system, <laughs> not a good thing. And it should help inform us what's broken, how do we find what's broken? If there's latency issues, you know, things like the predictable response time controller mods working on, These kinds of things are observability plays and observability becomes an important concept in the the foundations to automate. Are we monitoring? Are we logging everything? Are we auditable? Do we have it in a way that our auditors can see it? Are we doing distributed tracing successfully across our microservices? All that stuff comes into play. And then comes security, right? If if we're moving data, by definition, some of it does need to be secured, Hmm. right? Security Hmm. comes in all sorts of forms. We need to assure there's no attacks coming in, cybersecurity, Carbon Black, our play. Mm -hmm. We need to ensure that when we're moving secure sensitive data, it's moving on encrypted channels, right? We should be able to build those channels on need, not just we're going to encrypt everything because we don't really know. You just ate up one third of your bandwidth just because you decided you didn't know. So we can build the security into all these things, right? App defense being another play. What process should be allowed to run? Mm-hmm. right? That's what defense helps us do. Should it be allowed to run? And even if it is allowed to run, is there a cloud in which we want to let that run so that these two things kind of go together? So think of security from that perspective, not just NetSec, right? Firewalling, east-west firewalling, micro-segmentation, that sort of thing. Think of it in the whole scope of security. When we move data, how do we know it's secure? And how do we know our third parties that we're giving it to potentially are similarly secure? Can we have the same conversation with six yeah. sevens with them? You hit on if-
2: a on a pretty big point there uh, the, the things you're talking about are are sort of universal right they cut across you know all layers of the application you know the different clouds there there's not one technology or something that solves all these problems right i mean no uh,
1: there's there's not and that's why we co- why we kind of propose look this is pretty ubiquitous this is a pattern that that sort of hits each layer no matter what um, so anyway we we figure out The other three being storage, right? Storage needs to exist in every cloud if we're going to move data across clouds, right? The problem with storage is it always looks different. What's your unified view? I need 1,500 IOPS. How does a developer know he gets 1,500 IOPS just because he asked for a storage class in Kubernetes? It should be a guaranteed situation for him. He shouldn't have to worry about it. But the SRE should be able to move those workloads to any cloud without worry through the CICD pipeline, deploy it through the, the pipelines. And here's the deal. Storage is more than just block storage, right? It's all about, do we need object storage? Do we need shared file systems? Is NFS good enough? Maybe, do we need IPFS, something like that. Um, there's different types of storage that we actually have to combine and unify across the clouds to make successful. Obviously, if we have, if we have vSAN everywhere, that gives us a basis, but it still doesn't tell us how NFS is going to be, right? So there's different layers here. So we need to worry about storage because that's the place we're going to place data, and that's the place we need, may need on on disk encryption. We may need different capabilities, right? So that has to be defined. And networking is a given by definition. we're going to move data, and networks required, right? So there's physical natures of networks. There's NSXT, of course, and NSXv are products that help us define. Network is the objects, security objects, and that which we define as networking. Now, so we want to have a product that actually does that properly. If you look, for example, at um, Essential PKS, you can put just about any container networking interface in there, right? You mm-hmm. can put Calico in there, we can put Flannel in there. We prefer NSXT, but there's a lot of ways of defining how networking is going to get get built. And the final piece for the processing is the platform as a service, right? Your PaaS system is important, whether it be Pivotal's. Uh, you know, their, their PCF PaaS component, uh, PKS, our VMR PKS component, whether it be uh, in the future, if yeah, we it, get the functions, you know, we got to have a system that actually is an application platform underlying all that. Yeah,
2: sort of, it seems to me that the PaaS important layer where sort of you bring a lot of those other foundations together, right? Because that's where sort of the developer in, interacts with those things to the extent that they do or they underlie the PaaS
1: yeah and so here, the it's an interesting point david what we want from my perspective as VMware is to make the developer's life unbelievably easy let him write the feature let her write the feature let them deal with the business they need to deal with and deploy it and and just ask that it get deployed the rest of it should be automated and in order to automate it these six process steps need to be considered and an SRE needs to build the infrastructures code and build the underlying hardware systems, everything necessary, and cloud interfaces to actually automate that process. And they do it through those six, the seven foundations, the technologies. Is without now, how those all unfold? We have these things called recommended services architectures. For for each of those areas of the seven foundations, there are various products that VMware has. In most cases, there's some we don't. We don't do data classification, for example. But in most areas, we do have pretty good products. And they change based on the nature by which a customer is going to actually deploy. If they're pure on-prem, meaning they're going to be pure SDDC, we know what the products are. They're going to look like VRA, right? They don't need VRA cloud. They just need VRA locally, potentially probably self-managed. But if they're going to implement things in the cloud and potentially a mix of uh, on-prem, but not using a hybrid scenario like VMC on AWS, they probably want VRA cloud, right? So there's our products have a change of, of form in how we're going to deploy a successful customer solution. So we have these things called recommended service architectures. There's about 100 line items um, to cover these seven foundations and the subsections of each of those uh, that we would sort of give our sales force, hey, if, if they're going to implement a real multi-cloud solution and they're going to be mostly using public cloud services, here's your products that you'll wanna implement. If they're gonna be hybrid or a mix of public cloud and standard SDDC, VMware SDDC, here's the products and how they line up. And if there's mostly on-prem, here's how they line up. So they can kind of pick and choose and just literally line it up, pick the products, the services, then attached to that and they should be able to go ultimately implement a really good multi-cloud system for the customer. That's literally what the six sevens is for, to make it that easy.
0: Okay, I, I, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a couple couple questions here because I, I I've been listening for a while I'm trying to stay awake uh, from my European uh, time zone shift that we got going on. I thought it
1: was because I was getting boring. Yeah, dude. no, no, no,
0: you're not boring. It's good. It's just we got that uh, European time zone jet lag going. Um, how much of this is greenfield versus how much is brownfield? When you're an architect and you're living in uh, an environment in your, in your world where you're already developing a lot of software uh, in in your practice. Uh, um, like what are you seeing? Is this mostly when you're going to go build a new application that you can go ahead and apply some of this this pattern?
1: It was, so that is an intriguing question. Uh, one no one's asked yet it's it's intended for both brownfield and Greenfield And I'm going to address it this way. If you look at our focus areas, we tend to focus on fairly new, things right so our customers that we deal with my team deals with um by the way we're not a practice just just to be clear we are a research team so when we engage with customers it's usually in a non-billing situation but we do help the delivery sure a lot of cases and we're meaning it that way because not all these things are perfectly figured out yet in a lot of cases we want to address it right. and let them know hey we're, we're at the edge here we want to work with you to to really uh, sort of validate our thinking but that said um a lot of this is Greenfield, I'll, I'll be honest, but Greenfield is a funny term. So, when you look at a modern application, for example, which is a hot topic today, right? A modern application, as we define it uh, for the field, is very simple it's a resilient, multi cloud supportive, orchestrated release of VMs, containers, and potentially serverless functions. And we define it that way for this reason you're probably going to use multi cloud. We know that because if you look at Gartner studies, you know, on the range of 80, 81, 82% of all customers are already using multiple clouds. And more than likely, the responses to those surveys are our customers. So they're, they're already there. We need multi-cloud support. We need resilience, which is kind of the nature of writing a microservice or a highly distributed app on Kubernetes. This is The idea in the world of cloud native applications is resilience written in the application versus in things like vMotion. But guess what? Those new applications are probably going to get written as new services around existing VMs. So that's what makes it round SAP, for example, or Oracle Rack, or other you know, large-scale systems that are currently running in VMs. If you look at some of our customers, I just visited one of VMworld Europe, 39,000 VMs are running their business. Okay, that, that's a lot of VMs. They aren't just gonna stop those and go make all new microservices. Not right. gonna happen. Right. The modern app is really a mix of these microservices in a cloud-native form communicating, potentially facading, or in some way interacting with those VMs in many cases. Right. It's that nature. We're now multi-cloud, and it kind of forces this discussion of, well, I can't move those apps. I can't move the data they have. Really maybe what I need to do is write some services that expose that data. To the other cloud, and yeah. this is where the conversation comes right. from. Just, that, that's
0: work. why I actually was asking the question because you know when we've had other guests come in and talk about it, there is there is greenfield apps, right? But there's always a tie back either into infrastructure or into existing services that you're going to be in, engaging with. And I just wondered how you know when I look at the 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 seven functions here and the diagram you have in your blog article, it's like it's like I wonder how that plugs into existing frameworks and what I'm dealing with in order to actually architect the the next application and if it's greenfield it's great I'm building a, a you know lots of services and I, I I can build a whole new architecture but a lot of times in the in the world that we've been hearing other guests talk about they're talking about this need to you know tie it into either in existing infrastructure or exist, some existing applications
1: yeah, look, we, how, how long uh, I've been alive a long time. How long we've been talking about the death of the mainframe? It, it's still not dead.
2: So yeah, I stopped talking about it.
1: <laughs> it's going to be a very long time before we realistically have the death of the VM. It, it, and I don't mean that from a VM from a technology perspective. I mean right. there's good reasons people run certain workloads in virtual machines versus container form. Okay, that there's there's actually good reasons for that. It's probably going to be around for a while. But more importantly, to I think to what you're referring is. There's a lot of work in replacing an existing application. Think of it in the old days. We kept trying to make main sunset mainframes. There's a lot of work in ripping those apart, trying to make them work in a highly distributed fashion and make them successful. We can do it. It's just a lot of money spent and you're not writing any new features. I think what companies really want to do is focus on new features, new revenue channels, and that's where they'll write the cloud native applications. That's Greenfield-ish. But as you said, it's going to tie back to the stuff that already exists because that's where the current data exists. And that's what we use to move. And as our six sevens paper says, the whole idea of software is to add value to information flowing between software components. That's what it's for. That's what software does. So that data is going to have to move, dude. Um, I just believe every system will be brownfield for the the foreseeable future. Hey,
2: Tom, related to that and sort of – you know, the six sevens pattern, you know, the combination of the data orchestration and then the app dev foundations, way I think about it. The, um, it makes perfect sense. You're looking at a brand new app. Have you experienced anybody going back and looking at an existing app, or either as maybe an extent, whether extending the app would apply? It seems to be that probably a lot of people didn't think about this up front. So you've got no, a lot of apps. Yeah. Um,
1: so a lot of existing apps um, are. so. It's usually the reach to expand scale, reach to expand flexibility, mm-hmm. or the reach to expand developer productivity, right? Which is effectively the reach to AWS or the reach to Azure or the reach to GCP, right? This is why they're why they're going there. It's not so much the app, quite honestly, that that gets a company to start thinking about a pattern like the Six Sevens. It's more when they start to spread outside the confines of their very well formed and very mm. tight internal data center.
2: Okay, makes sense. Right. If it's
1: internal, you don't have a lot of danger, right? You're kinda in there. I mean there's some dangers, but at least you have reasonable local control of it. The minute you start spreading around, life gets a little different. And that's when they have to start thinking about it. And quite frankly, David, it's cause the CIOs have initiatives to get, you know, two thirds of their workloads, for example, out in the public cloud. Now they're going, Great. Yeah. I've got a whole new attacks surface out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's vectors all over the place. What do I do now?
0: So, you know, I'll I'll ask you another question on this on observability and the whole the whole uh, pattern in general. Do you see some areas that are more difficult than other areas? And, you know, where when you start to build an application, you run into trouble. And I know we talked about other people where there's they you know, you tend to build it and then you spend another year trying to make it work because there are places here that are hotspots that that you probably need as an architect need to think about.
1: Yeah, the, the hard, I'll be honest, the hard part, honestly, for companies and ourselves is data uh, description, data classification. And the reason for that is that's to a large extent, if you tried to classify every piece of data in your organization, you'll run out of money first. You can't do it. So literally, it's financially intractable. The hard part has been identifying the important pieces of data that we do have to care for and we do have to automate the process around these six processes around and allowing ourselves to throw the rest away. Cause, cause a lot of it may be public information, right? So find out from a financial perspective, what can we really do to automate the world of the six sevens, right? That that's the hard part. The, the concept of governance, observability, um, that is, you know, everybody doesn't do it perfectly, but they know it can be done. We have products, VRA, we have products all over the place that can do, well-formed governance, well-formed observability, mm. right? Right. log, in by log intelligence. Right. right. There's
0: products that address that versus data classification you almost have to do on your own because it's your data you have to figure out versus yeah. when you get and into if, governance and observability, there are a lot of software products that do that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And to some extent, we're not telling people how to architect their application. We'll help them with that. That's right. When we're doing, for example, high-scale um uh, IOT systems. Uh, right. When you get into scalability, like data movement and um, latencies and this, that's actually an availability problem. It's it's a breach of and when you start thinking like this, that's a breach of one of the security objectives of data classification. If we have a latency problem, that's an availability problem, right? By definition, you not did, you didn't get your data in time, so it's not available. So it turns out everything can tie back to the data classification, the three security objectives: availability, integrity, and confidentiality. When you tie it back like that, things get a lot easier and you can make SLOs that the SREs need to, to address and, and automate and make better and those sorts of things. But not everything needs to be classified, quite frankly. And that, I think that's the biggest fear for customers is, oh, geez, it sounds like master data management, which was you know, kind of a terrible situation itself. And the answer is no. What we want to do is for the major pieces of the puzzle, let's really understand what the data is. Let's really understand what the main flow is, where you're... Your risks are with respect to legal risks, uh, operational risks, right, Uh, and potential availability risks or breach risks, that kind of thing. So, that's that's the hardest part. Okay, the rest of it, quite frankly, it's software delivery, man. We know how to do that part. Everybody does, I think, our customers.
2: Hey, hey, Tom, you were talking about you know everybody's going to do these six steps. Um, You're either going to do them consciously or unconsciously curious how many of the folks you run into sort of you know sort of have a, a good sense of this that there that there is a process here and that you need to follow it or are they just, is sort of blind to you know, most people not thinking about this at all
1: yeah no our, dude our customers are pretty good let's, let's be honest like I said most of them have that I, I deal with uh, have pretty well formed data classification situations so they they're actually in pretty good position to do the kind of work we think about what I kind of catch or we catch a lot from the CTOs and CIOs we talk to and and their architects is, Hey man, we, we thought of four of these, but kind of missed three of them. So I think our customers are really good about recognizing this is a concept we have to address. And what we can do is add value by having, you know, we got a half a million customers we get to look at and see where to go here. They don't, they get one, that's themselves. So where we can add value is bring the six, maybe they thought or in seven foundations, maybe they're ready for four or they thought about four other process steps and five of the foundations to automate that. They're probably pretty good in getting there. Our job is to just augment them and make them a little bit better. So that's how we look at it, David.
2: Okay, cool.
0: Other, other, other thing that, uh, uh, I'd like to ask, which I, I always like to drill down a little bit, is when you're talking about people, education, architecture, are there things that, you know, when, you know, I'm, I'm an architect right now, I've architected multiple solutions, are there things that people should be reading or training themselves on? How do people find, how do you grow enough to understand how to build something like this? Because I think it's one of those things, if you... If you don't know about Fight Club you're not going to know about it right and and how do I how do I how do I acquire this knowledge because you you hit on a really cool point which is at VMware we're looking at many thousands of customers right when I worked uh, you know running a data center and we were architecting solutions you're just looking at yourself what's the best way to, to uh, other than read and you know engage I well, guess
1: yeah so there's there's actually a lot of Information. So our group, we do publish a lot. We obviously publish this white paper. We're publishing subsequent blogs around these. So there's already one around observability Uh, that's been published, already one around uh, data governance, uh, data classification. Um, We're adding three or four more as we go here in the next couple of weeks. So we're putting out a a lot of content. Obviously, we represent ourselves at VMworld because we've been invited in many cases, just, hey, come on and, and discuss these things. This and some others. Um, so there's that. I also think it's fair to to look at other third parties. NIST, for example, which is a U.S. federal agency, right? Th- this is a very good group. I mean, when you look at NIST documentation, it's extremely well formed. And you'll find even in our paper, uh, we cite much of the uh, three security groups around the NIST layer. And if you look at a lot of, for example, a lot of companies, even VMware's, um, model of their data classification. It's centered around the NIST um, sort of description model. And in fact, other countries look to that as well. So I, it, you know, the hard part, I think, is first at least seeing something. Somebody put something like the six, sevens out there. So that at least there's a framework. And we have a lot of sites in our paper. And there's a subsequent piece. You know, Just go read. It, it, is, a, it is a need to read. And I'm going to tell you the truth about the third part. If you haven't actually built a globally scalable software solution, you probably don't know how to do it yet. You, in my position, is that's okay. We have at VMware. I have, my teams have. I have personally, in the startups I've built and other scenarios, this is a thing you can come to VMware and get help. Just ask. It's really that simple. We're not we're not here to to, to run you out of money. We're actually literally here to help our customers do these things um, in the hopes that they'll use our product. But you don't see a product named at all. I don't think in, in the sixth, seventh paper, that's not what we're intending. We're intending to give this info out. So you will trust us as a trusted partner over time as a customer to come in and help you. I, that's it, dude. I mean,
0: yeah, that's that's a great answer, and it's it's the truth, and and we're in a position to do that because we do work with so many customers that you know are at this same phase or have already gone through the phase. There's always somebody that's done it before us, right? And there's always somebody doing it after us. And so, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I love this quote I've used before, but uh, life's too short to make all the mistakes on your own. You got, it to, is, you've got to learn from other thing. people's mistakes.
1: If you've ever done a startup, you know what what investors want to know, for example, is. I'm going to use a bad word here probably, but have you, have you been to hell and back? Have you actually done things like this before? And have you seen the flameouts? and have you seen the pain of failure? Right. Well, the answer is yes. And if you have, then you know where those failures can be. And this is what we've seen for years at VMware. We don't see failure that often, but the point being, we've seen what that looks like. We've seen what success is. And we have so many uh, scenarios we can look at and, and help a customer through the really difficult part. So yeah. That's the hard part. Have you built it before? If you have, you probably know how to do it. If you have not, you will find um, flame outs. And those are the hard things to get through. We can take you around those. That's that's kind of the way I put it.
0: So we're uh, running up to 2020, you know, the the year New Year's going to start. Do you guys have some major objectives or things that you're working on to discover to build more content for us? What are some of the hotspots that you guys are working on?
1: Yeah, so interestingly enough, as we, as we went down these paths and IoT and machine learning and, and lots of very cool um, implementations, some with customers, some internally, you know, the, the company asked us, hey, what, why don't you bring yourselves back closer to the market and really dig into modern applications in a way that conforms to what you're talking about? So we're actually putting out a lot of content around what is a modern application, how do you develop it, how do you conform it to the kinds of things we are talking about here, high scale, high security, and high scalability, these kinds of things. How do you really do that from a consultant perspective? And we keep our other concepts, right? Edge computing changes the nature of things a lot. So we're, we're we're studying a lot and building a lot of technologies and content around edge computing, but not just compute edge, right? Which is dimension, if you think about it that way, putting infrastructure in place to do things. It's, what are you doing out there? And what is appropriate to do out there on the edge from a computational standpoint? Can we really do machine learning out there or do it distributed? Um, and again, that will bring you right back to multi-cloud problems, but also scale problems at the edge. So looking a lot there. And believe it or not, we're looking now this <laughs> kind of way out there, but you know, where does augmented reality fit the world of managing applications while they're operating across clouds? And, and it's, much easier to do things visually for a lot of people than it is to think, you know, from a technical perspective, writing code. So we're thinking about those things a little bit. But to be honest, we're 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 bringing back a little bit because, like I said, we've been out in the future for ways we kind of know what it looks like. It's not so fuzzy anymore. Uh, for the next probably this half um, and first half of 2020, we're going to really focus on helping our company transition our customers into the modern app era and you'll see that means bringing in blockchain bringing in off-chain storage with respect to blockchains these are not things people think about and helping customers actually achieve success in those areas so Maybe that's not as thrilling as you want to hear. No, but,
0: but uh, yeah. it, you know we get into that position a lot uh, in our team, where you know we can dream up a lot of things pretty quickly, right? And uh, we can then define what that is and do some research on it. But then at some point you have to f- come back and actually work on material processes white papers uh helping customers you know do what where the industry is going and so actually stopping and and going now how do we how do we actually bring this to practice right to our customers and so spending a year focusing on that is, is a great objective because it's so yeah, easy it, just to dream up things and then not do the hard lifting of building solutions for and 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 white papers and all the stuff you need to be able to allow me running a data center or architecting solutions to to actually accomplish it.
1: Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, the things we're researching out on the edge are are, are truly that what, what does it look like to create a truly sustainable, uh, right? No uh, fossil fuel power multi-cloud solution. Those are, those are things companies are thinking about. They don't need an answer to that yet. So we'll continue the research around those areas. Right. But like you said, we're going to, we're going to spend, uh, a little more time than we planned originally on bringing that back into in the next half. So into modern
0: apps. So. so you mentioned a blog. Do we happen to know what the blog actually, where, where you're, where you're publishing it's this good. stuff?
1: We can, uh, we can post links. There's, so um, we, our blogs are pushed through various feeds at VMware. Some of them are Octo feeds. Okay. Some of them are marketing feeds and some of them are professional services, educational feeds. So they're, okay. they're quite a ways around, but we do have a page where everything's listed. It's on vault. Uh, our, Public, I don't know if you guys are going to pump this out to the public, but our public customers probably can't see
0: that. Okay, um, great. Right. Of, so. Yep. So we'll, we'll 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 take a look at this this one as as a practice, and we'll see if we can get it published out to, to the world. Does this the, the white paper I have in front of me? Does that actually is that a consumable uh, by the public? Uh,
1: yeah, that's already published by VMware, so I, I right, don't. Great. That's a VMware
2: paper. All right, we'll get there. a we'll get a link
0: up when yeah. we publish uh, the the.
2: Y- you, the can podcast. Al- you can find it easily, too, but just yep. search in 6.7's VMware you'll get it.
0: All right. Perfect. Uh, I know we're running up uh, near the end of the hour. So, um, d- are uh, you know, Tom, I'll ask you this. You probably, I know what the answer could be. You happen to be on Twitter. Can people follow you?
1: I am on Twitter, yep, at T.D. Height. That's Thomas Dean Height, if you really want to know. T.D. Height.
0: Hite. H-I-T-E?
1: Yeah, H-I-T-E. T right. is in Tom, D is in uh, Dean. That's my middle name, Height, H-I-T-E. H-I-T-E.
0: H-I-T-E. All right. Give Tom a follow. Tom, it's, uh, always great to see you. David, what awesome, else we Tom. got? Yep. Uh, good good to see you. Uh, we're coming up to Thanksgiving, so hope you have a, a great holiday season if you're into that kind of stuff. And uh, thanks for being here, and keep up the good work. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. Good Play. talking, Tom. Yeah.
0: Thanks a lot.